The Silence of the Lions. <laughs> so, let me read you the subtitle. Let's get to understand where this is going. And um, let's enjoy the ride. Have you heard the news, read your mail, or looked at your family today? What did you feel? What did you do? Are you just another cast in another horror movie? You owe it to yourself, to your children, and to God to become the leading producer of your life, family, and the world. And not to just be another silenced cast member. That was the subtitle to the title, The Silence, uh, the Silence of the Lions. So uh, what we're going to talk about here is, I believe, I speak for myself and uh, so I'll project it on everyone, that at some level we all feel that we're being reactive, we're being silenced, we don't really, we don't really take a leading position in our life and therefore in our family, in our community, in our people, in our world. That's what this is all about. And that's why I call it the silence of the lions, the lion being the king of the animal kingdom, the sign of royalty, the sign of power. So I want to start with uh, an introduction. The introduction is a sad cartoon. It's a cartoon that's been playing in my mind for years. So I want to share with you a little cartoon that plays in my brain. The cartoon is of a sleeping lion. So I'm going to ask you not to hear me through uh, audio, but let's go visual, okay? So there's a sleeping lion, and there's a little rodent, a little pestering little rodent, who comes and starts annoying the sleeping lion. The next scene in this cartoon is that you all of a sudden see the uh, lion lazily pick up one eye, just open one eye. And the lion just wants to see who, what is annoying me. The lion sees that's a little rodent. The lion thinks to itself, with one move of my paw, I squash this rodent. Eh, leave it alone, too lazy, goes back to sleep. That is part one of the cartoon that always plays in my brain. Over and over, I see this cartoon. The second part is where it gets painful. The second part of the cartoon is that as time goes on, the rodent picks up more chutzpah. And it's time to really annoy the lion. But somehow, somewhere, as the lion continuously succumbed to laziness, somehow the lion is trapped within its own slumber. At some point the lion does start getting annoyed. The lion does want to take care of the problem, but because of so many years in its life, it allowed the rodent to just keep on annoying it. And it kept on writing it off and going deeper into its own slumber. At some point, at some point, in this cartoon of mine, at some point I see the lion trying to take care of the problem. Now imagine the painful 
paradox. This is a lion. This is a rodent. The rodent is annoying the lion. It's gotten to such a point of chutzpah where the lion needs to take care of the problem. But somewhere, somehow, the lion has become locked into its own cage of slumber. At this point, even when the lion tries to jump kick its engine, it tries to pace, it tries to roar, somehow, at this point, the roar, the echoes of that roar, is just totally squashed and absorbed into the walls of the cage of the slumber. This really is a cartoon, and I'm not being poetic here, nor am I being dramatic, creating sensory issues. I just want you to know that this cartoon has played in my mind visually, really detailed and visually, over and over and over again. There's something about this cartoon that really bothers me. So I want to share with you what goes on here. I want to share with you that the reason why I give lectures, the reason why I actually go through counseling and even when I don't want to at any present moment do the counseling. I just want to be left alone right now. Guys, there's a million other counselors that are professional. I need to be left alone. And there are times, most of the times, I will tell you, the reason I'm sitting here today, the reason I push myself to write, the reason I push myself to be available to people for counseling, is because of this cartoon. The pain, the pain of the silenced lion always haunts me. The pain of people not being able to get up and do what they have to, straighten out the abuse in their life, the pain in their life, the compromising in their life. Something about that drives me nuts. I will tell you clearly that my biggest drive in the present day to do the things I do is driven by the pain of the silence of the lion. When I see a lion caged in, when I see a lion silenced, when I see people just being defeatist, accepting, coming to terms, allowing themselves to be abused, that's what drives me over and over and over again. It's the pain of my own silenced lion. It's the pain of seeing other people's silenced lion. That's why I'm sitting here today talking to you. So I just want you to know really what more than anything drives me to do the work I do. So now you know that I wasn't just being poetic, nor was I playing off a horror movie by the name The Silence of the Lion. There is a reason why I'm giving this lecture. So I want to really sit down and talk to you about all of this. Okay. In the introduction, Bakasha. In the introduction that I just gave to you, I presented to you that the lion was silenced 
locked into its silence by its own laziness. That's what I suggested. The lion was sleeping, it picked up one eye, it looked at the little rodent, ah, leave me alone, I'm going to go kill this rodent, just go back to sleep. The rodent mis misinterpreted that as, oh, the lion's afraid of me. Oh, the lion can't deal with me. Oh, look, I could become king. And little by little, the chutzpah of the rodent in your life, that chutzpah of that rodent just grows and grows and grows. And somehow, you just get locked in more and more and more into your own created cage. I will tell you, again, I talked to you about my personal life for a moment. In my life, the rodent has continuously changed. The lion is always the same. In my cartoon, the lion is me. What the rodent is, what's snapping at me, what's trampling at me, what's stopping me, what's robbing me from my dreams, those are always little rodents. One time it's this, one time it's that, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a situation. So the rodent changes. The lion's always the same. The silence of the lion is always the same. So what I presented to you in the introduction was that the silence of the lion, the cage, the fact that this lion was silence, was an outcome of its laziness. I'm going to share with you that that is not quite the uh, real truth. Why? Why did I tell you that at the end of the day it isn't laziness? Because I don't think, I don't think that laziness can lock you into what you would perceive as being abused or robbed. No one is that lazy that they will compromise what they yearn for most because they're just too lazy to get it. I will tell you that in the recent, my recent development and growth of life, something happened to me. At some point, I became driven and steered to wake up the line. Somehow, somewhere, we all go through our journeys in life, something has been going on in my life which gives me the need to have this lecture. Somewhere in the life, I started poking at my lion. Wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Wake up, you're 42 years old. Now or never. Wake up. Something's been going on. And as I poke the lion, as I steer the lion, as I tell the lion, what are you doing? What are you doing? I started asking the next question. What caused you to choose to be lazy? What caused you to decide that instead of squashing the rodent, you were going to just go into a deeper stage of sleep? What could have caused you to compromise your dreams for yourself, to compromise your dreams for your family, to compromise your dreams of everything you yearn for and stand for? It is impossible in my understanding of myself that laziness could have ever done this. So I'm going to suggest to you that the lion chose to be lazy. The lion, something about the lion made it decide that it is less friction and less painful to succumb into being locked into my own cage of slumber and laziness
than to take care of this rodent. What I wanted to know was why. What is the secret behind the silence of the lion? Simply, to really put this in correct words, at some point I asked my lion, my job here today is to get you to face your lion and ask it, why have you chosen a life of self-persecution? What did that to you? What could have caused you to compromise and live in a life of abuse, pain, self-persecution, and compromise? Something caused that. That's what I want to talk about today. So, I can tell you absolutely, it's not laziness. The same lazy of Rumi in certain arenas is very not lazy in other arenas. What is it? What causes the lion to choose to be silenced? A rodent cannot silence a lion. It's just the rules of the jungle. The lion decided that it will be silenced. What I want to share with you here is that the secret behind the silence of the lion is, drum roll, is fear. That is the reason why the lion decided that it will be silenced. That is why the lion created its own cage. That is why the lion keeps on diving deeper and deeper into its slumber. That's why every single time there is an epiphany and the lion within you wakes up and it begins to roar, it begins to pace back and forth. It's getting restless. It doesn't want to be locked in no more. It doesn't want to be hurt no more. It doesn't want to be persecuted no more. It wants to go out back to its kingdom, back to its palace. It is silenced over and over again. It is silenced. What silences the lion? The answer is fear. Now, what I share with you is that the rodent, the rodent picked up on this fear. The rodent, when it started messing with the lion, it was not counting on or relying on the lion's laziness. What it was counting on, what it was relying on, is the fear of the lion. He sensed that the lion has a fear. He learned about this, by mistake probably. And then from that moment on, it learned how to continuously manipulate and master the lion's fear. Thus continuously being able to silence the lion. That's what I'm actually sharing with you. When you see within yourself the silence of the lion, you need to ask yourself, why is my lion silenced? And by what? And by who? Rodents. What is going on here? What is going on here? And the answer... Sorry? It's just a language barrier. I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. It's, it's, you're saying it's 
saying rodents. Rodent, rodent is a rat, a mouse. The, the oh. So the point over here is that the rodent picked up on this. And because the rodent picked up on this, it has learned to constantly be able to silence the lion. Why? Because the lion, in the face of his own fear, chooses to go deeper into slumber and deeper into silence. So we need to understand what's really taking place. There are so many things we can write it off as. It's not. You don't write off the power of a lion. You don't write off a cartoon in your brain that just is so vivid of a rodent being a king over a lion. You ask yourself over and over and over and you need to face the hard questions. And you begin to understand that the silence of the lion is a choice that is continuously made by the lion. And the reason it is continuously made by the lion is not because the lion is lazy. It is because the lion has a fear. The rodent senses this fear and like every good abuser just hones right in on the buttons and takes over. Okay? So, we need to ask questions. We need to ask ourselves serious questions. What is it? What is it that the lion is afraid of? What could cause the lion to sit quietly, be silenced, and watch the rodents take over the situation? This isn't a little question, by the way. This isn't a little question. I will tell you that if you want to talk about world, world, global events, that's exactly what's happening here. You are actually watching a superpower silenced while rodents are stepping up. If you look in your own life, you're actually, you ask the lion, what is going on here? How could you just sit there silenced in the spiderwebbed palace, your family, your life, your goals, your dream, your people? What is going on? What could cause you to be so afraid that you will sit there silenced? Something's going on. Something is going on. The lion is afraid of something, seriously afraid of something. The rodent picks up on the fear, the lion is continuously silenced, and the rodent is playing havoc. And then all of a sudden, life goes on, life goes on, life goes on, and you wake up and you realize you are a silenced lion being trampled on by everything and everyone. You have compromised every dream you have for yourself, for your family, for your community, the different levels of your dreams, what you've dreamt of in a family level, what you've dreamt of on a financial level, what you've dreamt of on a prestige level, all your goals completely silenced. And you ask yourself, why? Why, lion? Why are you doing this? This lecture is based on a mimer, a Hasidic discourse of the Rebbe, which was delivered in 1955. The mimer is titled to understand the complaint of the spies. This week's Torah portion, Shlach, is all about the spies. In the Mimer, 
the Rebbe really explores the complaint of the spies, why the spies were right, and finally the Mimer explores why the spies were wrong. This, what I'm sharing with you right now, is my understanding of that Mimer. Okay? So guys, I hope by now, I really hope by now, that you have a real visual of your own silenced lion. I hope you have somewhat of a visual of all the little rodents which really keep you silenced. And I hope you're understanding at this point, it was never about the rodent. The rodent could be squashed with one swift move of the paw. I hope that at this point you're with me, realizing that it was never the choice or power of the rodent. There is a fear, the fear that the lion has silences the lion and thus the rodent place. So whenever you're going to sit down and talk about he, her, they, it, you're still wasting time on the rodent. What you're not willing to deal with yet is that you have chosen to silence the lion. And the reason why you have chosen to silence the lion is because of a very deep fear which lies buried and burning in your bosom. And at that level, you really are a silenced lion. So guys, let's cut to the chase. Let's go right into the heart of the lecture. Let's talk about what is the lion afraid of. What did the rodent learn? It happened upon this secret, the secret of the lion. The lion is afraid. What is the lion afraid of? Again, I want to share with you. Again, I want to share with you over and over and over again. The lion. The lion is silenced because it chooses to be silenced. And the reason I keep on repeating this over and over and over, even though it's an eight-page lecture, usually it's a five-and-a-half-page lecture, is because if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling the real pain of being a silenced lion with a rodent walking all over you, proclaiming sovereignty over you, this lecture is not going to be of use to you. It'll be a great, academic, beautiful thing built by the Rebbe. But if you really don't get the picture of a deep frustration, a deep pain, if you don't have at some level sitting right now by this lecture, some pain-driven commitment, you know that Avrumi is right. I, I never was able to look at myself at such a helpless, silenced lion. Me, the lion, is silenced. The rodent, Aganza Spieler, he's walking, he's coming, he's going, he's talking. If you don't have that image, if you can't see yourself A, as a lion, B, as a silenced lion, we're not getting anywhere. So you really need to walk over to yourself, look yourself in the eye, pick yourself up by the ear, and loudly in the ear, whisper the question. 
What is going on with you, lion? Why are you silenced? Why are you compromising everything that means anything to you? Why? Why are you shattering your dreams? Why are you afraid of your dream? What is going on? So I repeat it again and again and again. You need to ask your lion, what are you afraid of? It definitely isn't the rodent. Lions are not afraid of rodents. What are you afraid of? What keeps you silenced? What keeps you locked in? Why? Why have you signed your own death sentence? Why have you locked yourself in to an ever-closed cage? What is going on? What are you afraid of? That's where I need you to be at this point of this lecture. I need you not to ask the question intellectually because intellectually we have computers. I need you to ask the question emotionally. I need you to ask the question at a point of deep frustration. And that's why I'm not talking to you audio, I'm actually continuously asking you to visualize the cartoon. And then after you get over the fact that it's a cute cartoon, come to terms, you are the lion. And then walk over to your lion and ask it, ask it the question. Unless, people, <laughs> I have no right to project all my tzardas on you, unless you're perfectly happy where you are. That's cool. I told you the story, right? I have a friend, Oliver Shom, he's not alive, died of cancer. He went to the fat farm. Everyone told him he has to lose weight. <laughs> he came back, he didn't lose a pound. And I asked him, his name, a blessed memory, was Donnie. I asked him, Donnie, what happened? So he said, the first day by the fat farm, they told us that tomorrow morning you're gonna take a shower and in every single bathroom there is a full wall mirror. So while you're standing there naked, I want you to look into that mirror and say, to Donnie it was, Donnie, I don't like the way you look. So I asked him, okay, Donnie, what happened? He said the next morning I got up, I took a shower, I was there naked in front of the wall mirror, I looked at the mirror and I said, Donnie, I like the way you look. <laughs> so guys, I'm not here to tell you not to like the way you look. We all need to decide what our goals are, what we want, and what we consider successful, and what makes it my life worthwhile. I am just projecting my own frustration and allowing you to catch a piggyback ride on that frustration and ask yourself, do you really look into the mirror and say, I like the way I look? And if you don't, if you don't, then take back out that sealed envelope, that yellow manila envelope, which had the sentence in it, which was stamped, done, closed, and open it back up. And you will find that the only person that signed on that sentence was you. Not the rodent, not the situations, not the environment, not genetics, nothing. The cry and roar of that lion was silenced only by the lion. And then you ask yourself why. What are you afraid of? What is the lion afraid of? Is the question on the table. I want to ask you to go back with me for a moment to the story of the 12 spies. 
what happens? Jewish people leave Egypt, right? Thunderous, miraculous, it's beautiful. Plagues flying all over the place, splitting at a sea, manna, Mount Sinai revelation, water coming from a rock. You get the picture? You know now which God we're dealing with? And all of a sudden, we're at the border. We're about to enter into the promised land. And all of a sudden, 10 spies go to check out the promised land. 10, 12 went, but I want to talk about the 10 that gave the bad report. And what do they come back? Mortified, petrified. And what are the words they're using? We'll never be able to conquer it. We don't want that land. Question, question. We just saw water turn into blood. Frogs come from all over the place. Animals, darkness, hail, fire and water. We saw the splitting of the sea. We see manna this morning as we were getting to go to the meeting with the spies. We ate manna. And there is the big beautiful rock of Miriam giving water. Now let's go back to what they all of a sudden heard. We will not be able to conquer this land. What happened? What happened? What could have caused such a deep fear within the lion? The lion who just witnessed what its powers are in its relationship to God. Realizing how far God will go for this lion. And all of a sudden, no, we can't. We just can't do this. I will, I will tell you that the change of what happened is that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the lion does not have to face the tyrant Pharaoh. What the lion saw when it looked into the promised land was its own power. Its own promised land. People, what I'm telling you is the one thing that the lion is afraid of is itself. The lion is afraid of its own power. It had no problem with the whole process of Egypt. It has no problem with that because that was the evil tyrant Pharaoh. God can take care of Pharaoh. But now when you look into the promised land, what are you looking into when you look into your promised land? The God-given, promised, promised land. What are you looking at? What you're looking at is your own potential. What you're looking at is your own power. And all of a sudden, as the lions stood there at the border of Israel, looking into its own eyes, it was overcome with a terrific fear. And people, the hyenas, the rodents, they sensed the fear. They're lurking in the dark nearby. So now what we're talking about is the one reason that the lion has chosen to be silenced is because the lion is afraid. The one thing that the lion is afraid of is itself, its own power. Let's talk about this for a moment. 
What is the power of the lion? Simply taking it from a verse. I'm not taking it from the science or the videos. Simply from a verse. The verse says, Arya Yishag Milo Yide. The lion roars. Who doesn't tremble? So let's let, let it be known that the roar of the lion is not an intellectual statement. The roar of the lion is a statement of a powerful emotion. So there is no animal that's afraid of the lion because the lion is a genius. But every animal is afraid of the lion because of the roar of the lion. And the roar of the lion is a reflection of its power of emotion and not of anything else. So what I'm sharing with you here today is that the power of the lion, which scares the lion, is the power of its own emotion. It is afraid of itself because of its own omnipotent power of its emotion. And I want to share with you something. You guys all know, it's no secret, you guys will go to Barnes Nobles, Amazon.com. You know that self-help books in the publishing world is a multi-billion dollar industry. You're all aware of that, right? You didn't know? Well, now you know. The self-help books is a multi-billion dollar industry in today's market. I will tell you that I have not found a single book of this industry that ever tells you, you must find your inner intelligence. I will tell you the single mantra of every single one of these books. You need to unleash your passion. Ring a bell? You read any of these books? Always the same thing. Anthony Robbins has a title to a book. Unleash. What unleash? Unleash the power of your passion. Because when you feel your passion and you unleash your passion, you are unstoppable. So what I'm sharing with you here today is that the power of the lion is simply its emotion. Now let's go back to the mimer. People, we have grown up on the teachings of Hasidis, Musr, Halacha, educational systems. You've been taught by your parents. You've been taught by your teachers, by your mentors, that what you need to do is to have your intelligence control your emotions. That's what we talk about. Your intelligence must control your emotions. And when you act just out of the infinite power of your emotions, you are a failure. You're a bad machine. We need to fix that bad machine. Right? So all over Chassidus, you learn it over and over and over and over. The power of the emotion must be controlled. It must sometimes be weakened. It must be directed by the intellect. Moach shalit alalev is the exact words of Tanya. This mimer, the Rebbe all of a sudden reveals a new secret. And this mimer, the Rebbe tells you point blank, your emotions are stronger than your intelligence. The Rebbe talks about it in Kabbalah language, we'll talk about it in practical language. But the Rebbe clearly spells out, guys, you should know that your emotion is your infinite power. It is your point of omnipotence. 
Your intellect cannot control, weaken, break your emotion. You can sit and think and think and think and think and think and think and all of a sudden there is a real fear of survival and watch everything you think go out the window and you're just acting on emotions. I just, it was interesting, so a lady just sent me an email, a story that happened in her life, how uh, they had the gas on and they didn't realize when it turned on the match, all of a sudden the whole thing blew up and the hair and everything got caught on fire. And then the next line, amazing how the drop and roll thing that I've learned since I was a baby was out the window. We ran. <laughs> it's very simple, why? Because intelligence told you, okay, stop, drop, roll. It'll be okay. Your emotion didn't say anything. It just started screaming. And you just listened to your emotion. You ran. So all of a sudden in this mimer we're taught something that is amazing. We are taught that everything you learned in the whole Hasidus, in all your life, your mother, your father, your everyone who ever told you, you must be a controlled human being. Don't do what you want to do. Do what you know is right to do and your brain needs to control your heart and just because you want to do it, you shouldn't do it. And then when you do have an emotion, make sure the brain is always there as the radiator, cooling off the engine. Don't do anything stupid. Emotions are dangerous. You need to control them. But how should I control them? Oh, very simple. It's written in the holy book. The brain controls the heart. All of a sudden, the Rebbe gives us a whole new tag. Your brain does not have a snowball's chance in purgatory in the face of the emotion. So now let's talk about the fear. Let's go again back to the 12 spies. In Kabbalah, in Hasidus, the Canaan that the Jews were meant to conquer were made out of seven nations. You say it in your prayers every day. The seven emotions of your promised land, the seven nations of your promised land is the seven emotions of the human psyche. And what God actually told the Jewish people is that your job, your destiny is to conquer the land of Canaan. You need to conquer your seven emotions and then you will prosper. No. What do the 12 spies do? So they go and check out the emotions. What do they do then? They come back petrified, horrified, mortified. They're mortified. They totally lost it. Not totally, though. They totally lost it. We'll argue at a different time when the tape's off. <laughs> okay? The point over here is that they were totally mortified. And what are they saying? Eretz ochelet yoshveha. This land eats up in its inhabitants. Don't go there. Do not go there. You cannot conquer your emotions. So all of a sudden, the lion is silenced. The lion knows that its true power, it read it in every single book, is its roar. Its roar is its emotion. Its emotion is its omnipotence. It's the passion that moves everything out of its way. It moves mountains. And all of a sudden, he just found out that it's a dangerous thing. All of a sudden it's being told, stay away from the emotions. You're going to get burnt, you're going to get hurt, and it's not good. Your emotions will swallow you up. 
Calm yourself down. Think it out. Weigh the pros and cons. Maybe. All of a sudden, the lion was silenced. And like I told you, the hyenas and the rodents were right there at the border, lurking in the darkness. They sensed the moment. Let's go further. Guys, I tell you again that this could be a beautiful, abstract, mystical moment for you. Don't. Don't do that to yourself and don't do that to me. I want to tell you again, if you're listening to the news, if you're listening to what's going on with America, going to all the other countries of mass destruction, terrorism, if you look at world issues, you look at your local politic issues, you will always find the same scenario that's going on right now. The great mighty lion was silenced. It was silenced by its own fear of itself. The minute, the minute the rodents and hyenas picked up on that, we are watching rodents all of a sudden coming up and taking dominant control. On a world level, on a Middle East level, on your own family level. That's what's going on. I want to take this and tell you for a moment. Okay, so for those of you who know me, you're sitting there saying, okay, there for me goes again, drama. I want to make this very practical to you, okay? I give a class, I give a class every week for a couple of boys that uh, they work together, a really nice group of guys. And uh, every week I step into their office, they work together, and I give a share over there. So, of course, where's my mind in this past week? It's all here. It's, it's working on this lecture. It's over and over and over, working and working. So I decided that's what I'm going to talk to them about. So I gave them this exact shiur, mini version. <laughs> Quick and out. After I finished, I told the guys, guys, you have the full license to say, this is a mimer of the Rebbe. Do you know what a mimer of the Rebbe is? This is abstract, deep, mystical, supernal. You can do that. But I think you're missing the point, I told them. If you do that, you're missing the point because the Rebbe is talking to you in your practical life. And for a moment, you have to look. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So I went on. I started talking to them. They're all single boys. I said, tell me how many boys you know that will not date because they are petrified of what love does to them. How many boys I personally know are afraid to date because when they do fall in love, when they are face to face, eye to eye with the lion, they can't work. They're not focused. They're doing stupid things. They actually are disgusted by their foolishness and childishness. And then they decide, you know what? I'm just not going there. What you actually just heard is that the lion is afraid of itself. The power of the lion is emotions. And yet boys that are very successful in their business life, very proper, very put together, very cool, 
all of a sudden, they're petrified. Because when they fall in love, they're not no more cool. They're actually gooey. Boys don't like to be gooey. <laughs> they're mushy. Instead of working, instead of staying focused, instead of being that predator who goes after the other sale, the other pitch, the other deal, the other clincher. And all of a sudden, the lion is petrified of itself. It decides, I'm not going there. Let me share with you that I know people who are petrified of their temper. They are so afraid of their temper that they do not allow themselves to get mad regardless of what you do to them. Why? Because the last time they lost their temper, the next morning they were petrified. I cannot believe that I was able to get so mad which caused me to do something so nasty. I cannot believe I put my friend through a window. By the way, that's a true story. I had a guy who told me he does not get mad. He walks away from confrontation because in his younger years, he got so mad, he put his friend through a window. He is petrified. He walks away. He compromises because he is petrified of getting confrontational, of standing up, of telling the person, I am mad at what you just did. So this isn't an abstract, mystical teaching of Hasidus. This is so practically real. We are afraid of our unbridled, ablazing passion. We are afraid of how not in control we are. We are afraid of how far we go when that match is lit in that combustion of omnipotent emotions. The lion is silenced by being petrified of its own roar. And the rodents pick up on that. They sense it. They know how to keep you silenced by just having you again and again and again relive, feel again, looking eye to eye into your own passion. And that's why the lion, when it does start pacing, when it does start dreaming, when it does start remembering, and all of a sudden it feels the roar building up in it, it is the only one, the first one, the last one, who will immediately silence itself. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. You're disgusted with yourself when you do that. You're afraid of yourself. You're not in control of yourself. Don't do that. Just compromise. Just compromise. Put your head down. Shash still. Accept it. God, faith. Say whatever you want to yourself. Just be quiet. That's what we tell ourselves. We come up with a million excuses. Starting from holy religion down to blaming other people. It's all the same process. It's what the lion tells itself for only one reason. It is petrified of its own roar. It is petrified of its own omnipotent power. And that's why it readily, willingly, wantingly dives into its own purgatory.
It locks its own cage. It seals its own verdict. It is the one that does it. The lion silences itself over and over again because it is so petrified of itself. It is petrified of its own emotions. So guys, I will tell you, I'm sitting there with these uh, single boys and I told them this. Right after I spoke about the dating process. Why boys are afraid of dating because they're afraid of falling in love because they're afraid of what happens to them when they're in love they feel helpless weak the roar is too deafening for them when I spoke about that when I spoke about the silence of the lion and why the lion silences itself the look in those boys eyes the eye contact between some of those boys it gave me it gave me that moment of realizing the Rebbe was talking Kabbalah language relying on me to talk human language and those boys those amazing boys the way they heard what I said and looked at each other that was the gift to me to finally be able to hear what it sounds like when it's not a supernal maima it's human talk it finally allowed the dam the dam that blocks between my brain and my heart to finally crack I saw in those boys eyes that this is so real those are single boys single boys by definition are invincible they're not afraid of death they're not afraid of life they're not afraid of nothing and all of a sudden all of a sudden in the eye of the lion I saw the acknowledgement of the silence. All of a sudden, my heart was able to know what my mind understood. That is what I am trying, really trying, to share with you here. I'm trying to share with you what happens. Who's the lion? Who's the rodent? Who silenced who? Why? What caused it? What is the fear? Why would you rather sleep through your life and write your own obituary was at half mass all my life rather than going out there, rather than waking up the lion. And what I'm sharing with you today is what you really are afraid of, what I am afraid of, is my own roar, my own amazing power of omnipotent emotions. The one superpower that really helps you conquer everything. Okay. My agent gave me the, uh, the moments. I got to wrap this up. But there's another whole piece to this. So let's do it. Yeah. Go ahead. I think about the power of Tohu, the power of Tikkun. The power of Tohu, simply in Kabbalah, the world of Tohu is chaos. The world of Tikkun is proper and correct. And we are told that while the omnipotent power was placed in Tohu, the place which God chose for us to live in is Tikkun. In simple language, in your own life, Tohu is your animalistic soul and Tikkun is your godly soul. In your deeper infrastructure, your intellect is your Tikkun and your emotions are your Tohu. And I already told you that the Rebbe let the secret out of the bag in this mimer, that as much as you are told over and over and over, Tikkun must control Tohu. 
know that tohu is more powerful than tikkun. And when tohu, i.e., your emotions are ablaze, your intellect cannot get in. And when your intellect cannot get in, it cannot be effective. For a moment, people here. When you study the 12-step program, the biggest problem is that you keep on talking to this person who, who hears you, a brilliant person. Hears you, he hears you, he hears you. And has totally decided, no more, not one more drink. That's only when Tohu isn't there. But when the trigger goes off and the emotions, the roar happens, intellect is out the window. Intellect is useless. It cannot help you. So you go ahead, you sit by a lecture, and you make these concrete decisions. I'm going to go back home, straighten out my situation with myself, straighten out my situation with the family, straighten out my situation with the community, go ahead and set my goals for financial achievement. And that's all wonderful when you're here in the lecture. Because Tohu is shh, Tikkun is being heard. But then, when you step into your house, when you step into your office, when you look into the mirror, Tohu blazes up. Tikkun is useless. And that's why we're so afraid. That's why 99% of us squash and live in suppression of our emotions. We are afraid of our emotions. They make fools out of us. We get hurt when we go there. So, now that we... Uh, can ask each and every one of us. I was actually going to take a minute, but I'm running slow on minute, low on minutes. So I was going to ask actually to actually stop for a moment and ask each one of us, individually and collectively, can we actually go there for a moment? Can we actually for a second stop and feel how afraid we are of our unbridled, blazing emotions? Can we remember how we felt the morning after so deeply enshamed. What happened? Can we understand the lion for a moment? Can we actually feel why the lion chooses to be silenced? Why we choose to compromise, live in suppression, and just be shah? We don't have time to give you a couple of minutes to do that. But I will tell you, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that you guys are right here with me. So then the next step is, okay guys, time to face Tohu. Time to face our fear. How do we deal with it? Do we have to live our life as a driven leaf? Is our choices only suppression or to be swallowed up? So I want to introduce to you what the Mimer says. I do want to share with you that at this point of this mimer, at this point of this lecture, is where in my own personal life, I feel like I finally broke through the mouth of the cave that I have been looking for all my life. I actually feel like I can spend a very long time with you guys here exploring this cave. But time doesn't permit, and I will tell you that exploration is a human luxury, accomplishment is a divine moment. So let's not explore. Let's get straight to what the cure for this is. Why were the spies wrong? 
all we spoke about until now is why the spies were right. So I want to share with you another step in the Mimer. And I'm going to be quick and later I guess we can ask questions for those who want to stay. The Rebbe gives the answer in the Mimer in Kabbalah language. In Kabbalah language it breaks down to this. Understanding, Bina, is the beginning of intellect. Chachma, wisdom, is not intellect. Chachma, wisdom, is the house of the Ein Sof, the infinite. The power of total self-sacrifice that we have seen Jews throughout the history perform is not from Chachma and not from Bina, it is from Chachma. And therefore, if we can approach wisdom, if we can approach the infinite Ein Sof within us, then we can weaken emotions. When emotions have to face Chachma, the deepest level of Chachma, they become weakened. When they become weakened, Bina can now penetrate and accomplish. Let me go over this. That, that was for the text. Now let's talk human language. Let's go over this the other way. Guys, I want to tell you one of the most important sayings, and really, I've actually wrote this down in my notes, and I want to tell it to you now because I'm running out of time. Remember this saying, and you will have captured the entire point of this lecture. I'm going to read it to you. A saying from Hasidus, okay? Number one, I told you wisdom equals Ein Sof, the infinite God. It's the house of the infinite God within your soul, and that equals what? Humility. What I'm going to tell you that the cure to the lion's fear, the silence of the lion, is humility. Now let me tell it to you the way Chassidim say it. Simple language. You are not so big to have to be so small. I'm going to repeat those words. You are not so big to have to be so small. Let me rush. Let me pick up speed because I am running out of time here. Kalev. One of the two loyal spies. If you look in this week's Torah portion, what did he answer the spies? The verse is very precise. Vayas Kalev. And Kalev silenced the people El Moshe to Moshe. And then he went on to say, Don't worry. Up we will go up. We will conquer. We will inherit them. Why? Because we can. An interesting thing. He silenced them up to Moses. What does that mean? Step number two. The wording of the spies was, Eretz ochelet yoshveha. It is a land that eats up its inhabitants. The words of the loyal spies, Kalev and Yeshua. Don't be afraid. Why? Kilachameinuhem. They are our bread. Now let's talk. Because over here you have the whole answer. The answer is that Moses in Kabbalah represents Chachma. It represents wisdom, which is the absolute humility in the presence of the Ein Sof. So all that Kalev had to do was tell the people, you are so afraid of your omnipotent emotions. And because you're so big, you're afraid and you have to make yourself so small. Let me tell you, says Kalev, you're not so big to have to make yourself so small. But what are you talking about? Did you see how I behaved when I went gaga over that girl? 
Did you see what I said when I lost my temper at my wife? What do you mean I'm not that big? I am a terror. I don't want to ever go there again. It's omnipotent. It's infinite. Uncontrollable. And Kalev tells them, very simple, bring your lion, bring your omnipotent emotions eye to eye with the Moses within you. Be able to acknowledge the whole big omnipotent infinite power of the roar, the emotions. When you bring them face to face with the Ain Suf, with the humility within you that accepts that sometimes you even would die for God. When you can bring your emotions eye to eye with Moses in the center of your soul, then it's very simple. You realize in the face of Moses, in the face of the Ain Suf, your big, mighty, infinite roar is not that big that you should have to make it that small. I would love to elaborate, and, and I know that I'm running out of time, and there's a very important closing piece here. But I want to share with you that when you do not have your eyes on God, you don't have your eyes on the Moses within you, then your reaction to facing the amazing power of your passion and emotion is, we need to get out of here. Ki lacha, I'm sorry, ki eretz This is going to eat me up. I need to get out of this relationship. She has me acting like a fool. I can't even think straight. I stutter when I sit next to her. I miss entire days of business. I'm just gooey mushy. This love, I can't deal with this love. It eats me up. My emotions swallow me. My temper, everything, it swallows me. It's bigger than me. And as much as I promise myself intellectually, not going to do it again, not going to do it, I'm not going there, I end up losing it in the face of my omnipotent emotions. So your reaction must be that of the ten spies. We cannot conquer this. It eats up in its habitants. You're going to end up losing everything. Stay away from your emotions. But if you work the way Kalev works, if you'll be able to vayahas Kalev, Kalev didn't argue. He said, shh, guys, this is Moses. If you can do that to your emotion, stop trying to break it. Stop trying to fight with it. Stop trying to make a mensch out of it. Just be able to look yourself really in the eyes. You're so afraid of when you see your omnipotent power and roar. Oh my God, I am suicidal. You don't want to mess with me. I don't want to mess with me. But then you look into the eyes of the Moses within you. You look into the eyes of God. Ain't soft. And let's go over the words again. You're not so big to have to make yourself so small. All of a sudden, your power of passion, rather than it eating its inhabitants, it becomes lachameinuheim. It becomes your sustenance and drive and power for true destiny, your true promised land. I need to close up with one last point. Short. I'll keep it short. In closing, 
in closing. The one thing, the one thing that is the most powerful silencer of the lion is its shame of what its last encounter with emotions did to it. I will tell you time and time and time again when I'm honest with myself and when other people are honest with me. People, people have come to believe that because of the mistakes they have made in the past when they encountered their omnipotent emotion, they feel and accept that they must go on paying the repercussions of this shame for the rest of their life. They embrace that they must forever, forever live the life of the silenced lion because the shame of the past mistake you made when you did go into the emotion, the shame of that has you locked down that I can never roar again. I must be silenced. It will haunt me. They will find out. It will rip me down. That's why God's punishing me. Of course, I know why. That shame, that is the most lethal silencer of the lion. We, we doom ourselves because of the shame. And the one thing we feel that we really need to be able to take anything I've Rumi said literally and seriously here today is only if I can cleanse myself of my last sins that I did when I did succumb to the roar of my own lion. I know why I silenced myself. I know what I do when I roar. You don't, Rabbi. You don't understand the shame, the shame I live with every day of my life because of the last time that I allowed myself to roar to live and be swallowed within the omnipotent emotion. I need to be cleansed or I need to accept that I must be a silenced lion until the day of mercy comes and I can die. How do you cleanse yourself? I'm going to tell you how you can cleanse yourself. Ready? By having our present and past emotions face our Moses and being absolutely penetrated and cleansed by. You guys remember the words? You are not so big that you have to make yourself so small. That's the way you cleanse yourself of the shame of what you and only you and God know you did the last time you succumbed to your roar. Let me say it again. By having our present and past emotions face our Moses and being absolutely penetrated and cleansed by, you are not so big that you have to make yourself so small. Guys, God bless you, me, and all the silenced lions who are willing to wake up, roar, and enter our God-given promised land. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you.